Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Heel Turns and Headlocks podcast. I am your co-host, Brian LaPrey, and with me today, Bear DeGiulio, and once again, a special guest. hey Mr. Jared Wadsworth, and before we get started on our podcast about the all-time Mount Rushmore of women's wrestling, at least our opinions on it, we have to show some products, such as Mr. Brian LaPrey's first ever solo podcast, you know, a little outer channel of the Heel Turns and Headlocks uh, family, a little branch, if you will. He fantasy booked Drew McIntyre's Big Moment. So check that out. It is already on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Yes. Please support me. I'm broke. Same. And on that note, we are here for part two of the Women's Mount Rushmore discussion, where we, instead of going personal, give our all-time great four faces of women's wrestling. Somebody. Yeah. <laughs> I like that little uh, gap. Like that little gap right there of silence. It was uh, very professional. Um. So I'm gonna start, and I'm. Al- I already know that we're. I'm. I have a fight ready for me because my all-time women's Mount Rushmore. Um. I'm just gonna cover it really quickly because we dive deep into into um, into these women's careers last episode. But we didn't dive into one lady's career, which we're going to do right now. So, Jared, I want the smoke, as the Street Profits would say. I'm already bored. Oh, whatever. Listen, <laughs> Rowdy Ronda Rousey deserves at least some credit, right? I mean, she is a star outside of wrestling obviously given her track record in the ufc and all sorts of other mixed martial arts endeavors the way she debuted in wwe when she teamed with kurt angle in that awesome match against triple h and stephanie mcmahon um you know she's only got one raw women's championship under her belt so it's not about the titles when it comes to ronda rousey but it's just the way that she has kind of kind of transcended the game go ahead go ahead <laughs> i was just i was just gonna let you finish i am i supposed oh, to be impressed i mean look she's a ufc hall of famer cool she was the inaugural ufc women's bantamweight champion i know this is not a ufc podcast but you have to kind of look at that in the grand scheme of things at least i at least i do cool the first Olympic medalist to win a UFC championship. I'm just going down the list here. Did she win it with a broken freaking neck? No. No, she is not as cool as Kurt Angle. I will give I will give you that. She is not as, you know, badass as Kurt Angle. But nor is she you know, when it comes to like wife. all around. When it comes to all around, like she's a household name, you know. You can she's 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 transcended. But what have you done for me lately? (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) When she came in, what had she been doing? Nothing. Where has she been? In hiding. 
Why was she in hiding? Because she lost twice. And then she went and buried her head in the sand like a sore loser. And so what did she do then? No, no, no. I'm not finished. (laughs) What did she do then? She was like, I'm going to go do something else. I'm going to become a wrestler because the people will love me. Psych. Yeah, the people no, didn't really like her. They didn't. Like I said last time, people were more so rooting against Stephanie than for Rhonda. And so when she transitioned out of that, she really know what to do because she was a five moves of doom type girl who um was not that impressive. She was impressive for the time spent learning. I will give you that. Mm-hmm. But as a character, as a look, no, not for me. That makeup, mm-mm, makeup was always a no. <laughs> Her outfits were always a no. And that might not be super important in the grand scheme of things, but when you are building a division around somebody, you have to have all of those things. She didn't have any of those tools, in my opinion, to carry a division. They were using name recognition to make her feel like a thing. And I feel like at that point, she wasn't really, nobody really cared that much as far as like, oh, it's Ronda Rousey. Yeah, cool. She'll beat me up in the street. But when I'm on, like, when I'm watching wrestling, I have suspended disbelief. I f- I can fight in wrestling. Like, <laughs> as far as, as anything, as far as that goes, I can fight. So I don't care that you can break my arm in real life. This is not real life. I don't want to hear it. So when she realized that it wasn't real life and she had to make other people look good, she didn't want to do it. Or she couldn't do it. I don't know which one it was. But as soon as the people didn't give her the reaction she felt she deserved, she got real pissy real quick. And I did not like it. It's hard to argue that. And I'm not going to change my mind because I feel like this Mount Rushmore, you know, you might change my mind. But you know what? We're going to venture away from ronda rousey for a second oh, <laughs> I, I, was, going. I wasn't ready for that <laughs> I keep going. you wanted the smoke and i gave I you did a whole the smoke and <laughs> I, did, I did i wanted the smoke and i wasn't ready for it so you died from smoke inhalation i just died from yeah yeah right. again was not ready for that but it's hard to disagree with all of that um I was going to bring up the fact that she was champion for over 200 days, I believe, 231, which would make her the second longest reigning Raw Women's Champion, but nothing really memorable came out of that, right? Nope. Besides Becky overcoming Charlotte and Ronda at the, in the main event of WrestleMania, so... And another thing about that, it wasn't fun to watch her do anything because you always knew she was going to win. So it's like when they do stuff like that, I'm not a fan of like huge undefeated streaks in general. So when I know that you're going to win, I'm like, I don't care to watch it. So like when she fought Ruby and when she fought Sasha and they were like, oh, my God, all these value efforts. They were like, but they're going to lose. So (laughs) I don't care. 
Uh, what I'll say in defense of Rhonda is that she did bring a sense of like outside legitimacy to women's wrestling in terms of the people who might not be wrestling fans or might not even be women's wrestling fans if they do like women's wrestling or overall wrestling rather. Uh, I think that she made, you know, I'll say this at first it was really cool. You know, the, you know, watching her manhandle Triple H and throwing him through the table was awesome. Um, I was actually really excited for the match. That was good. And Stephanie played the ultimate little asshole during that feud. Um, No, I mean, Ronda was good early. And I think that that moment where her and Charlotte Flair had the match and Charlotte snapped and it was kind of like, welcome to wrestling, motherfucker. I thought that could have been a great turning point for Ronda. And ideally, it would have set up a rematch. No DQ, but alas. Um, Yeah, I I kind of agree with Bear. I think that her impact was pretty tremendous. But I also agree with the fact that it's like... I guess what ruined her for me was that night that she wrestled all three members of the Riot Squad in a row and beat all three of them. And then it was just like, where the hell does that group go from here? Right. Also, in her defense, and I hate to do it, but they also didn't set her up for success either. Right. They did not give mm-hmm. her the tools to be successful. They they sent her out there and wanted her to operate solely on brand recognition and name recognition, and she couldn't do it. And yeah. not everybody can do that. She can't even act in movies well. So, like, I don't know why Are they you thought... Are editing The Expendables? My God. Yes. Well. I am. <laughs> It's just like they they just gave her too much too fast. And it's like you have a locker room full of people who come to work every day and then you treat them like this. And side note, I was already kind of salty anyways when I found out that she uh, her husband got into like some kind of altercation with Alicia Fox for like no reason. I'm like, ma'am, you and your husband can (laughs) just go and sit down. Well, I suppose on that note, we should move on. <laughs> um, I wanted my... smoke, and I failed. So You wanted smoke, and you got fired. There you go. That's true. Uh, that is the byline for this episode. Um, We're definitely going to put that in the, like, the little by, you know. Bear gets fucking owned. So There you go. Well, on that note, the first person on my Mount Rushmore is the woman who beat the living crap out of Ronda Rousey, and that's Charlotte Flair. I know that everybody likes to kind of pretend that she doesn't deserve what she's gotten, but she has a presence, even if you take everything else away, where she comes out and it just kind of feels like full arenas just stop in their tracks and pay attention. They bow down to the queen. They do. And, you know, it's funny, you know, she started off and she didn't want to be Flair. She was just Charlotte and she wanted to distance herself. And then everybody, you know, came with the silver spoon comments and, you know, you're you're being fed all of your success and blah, blah, blah. And maybe to an extent that's true. But one of the things I always love that she says is, you know, maybe the name and being tall, muscular and blonde gets your foot in the door. But to stay there, you have to be legit. And Charlotte Flair is pretty damn legit she's had some great matches with multiple opponents her feud with sasha really kick-started 
well, I guess the women's revolution, quote unquote, leg of the actual women's revolution. Uh, her feud with Becky was amazing. That match at Evolution was one of the best matches of the year. And now she's in NXT, and I think that's actually pretty cool that she has, you know, a real program going with both Io Shirai and Rhea Ripley. Um, I mean, the titles speak for themselves, it, just in terms of volume, taking all context out of it. She's probably the most decorated women's champion of all time. and Already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, still in the prime of her career. And, you know, cuts a hell of a promo when she's dialed in. You know, she honestly reminds me of, like, I guess going for the cross-gender comparison. She reminds me of Randy Orton when it's where it's like, if she's not into it, you can tell she's not into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's like, when she's into it, it's like, holy shit, they're good. Like, when she's into it, it's going to be the best thing probably on the show. I mean, her and Rhea Ripley had an incredible match at WrestleMania. And, you know, her and Io had a really good match last night. And then we got to see Charlotte Flair be, you know, the dirtiest player in the game. Because in the face of defeat, she just panicked. Sorry. Spoiler if you haven't seen it. Um, but yeah, I, it I hasn't think even so. been 24 hours. I apologize. Um, <laughs> but no, I think Charlotte Flair, she's, I mean, she came in with a shitload of hype. You know, WWE has consistently tried to, you know, sign the daughters of famous wrestlers. And she's the one who not only stuck, but kind of took it and ran with it. And once she had embraced that flair last name instead of trying to distance herself from it, I really think she became someone who has a genuine case for being the greatest of all time, even though she's not quite number one for me yet. She's up there and she's she's getting close. You know, she only debuted in 2012. So. It's only been eight years, which in wrestling terms, you know, I'm not a wrestler. I can't necessarily speak on that much, but only eight years in the business and all the accomplishments that she's already made to me already. She's slowly but surely becoming the greatest of all time, at least in my opinion. Yeah, slowly. It's been like a freight train straight to the top, which, like you said, is well deserved. I'm not trying to discredit her. You're right. It's not slow. It's not a slow thing. It's she's <laughs> she's actually like full force fucking steam ahead. So you're right. You can see her her evolution has been interesting as far as like her style and character and everything. Like from when she was in NXT all the way till now has been like a full blossoming evolution. Like yeah, she's a Pokemon or something. <laughs> Because when she first got to NXT with those, like, dark highlights and weird entrance gear, or, like, her weird gear in general. And then when she first started cutting promos, and they were just bad, because she had that weird cadence in the way she talks. She still kind of does it, because you can tell she's trying to remember her lines sometimes, and it's really funny to me. Because people will be like, Charlotte cut such a great promo. And, And she does sometimes but sometimes she's real wooden and it's really funny to me because she'll be like you know what i am the best women's <laughs> champion ever and i'm like who talks like that <laughs> why are you spacing your words out like that charlotte what are you that's saying? how queens speak what are you doing right she's like dana brooke you are pathetic <laughs> like Charlotte, what you, why are you talking like that? Just talk. 
<laughs> that, that to me is the funniest thing. Every time I think about Charlotte, I just think about her weird cadence when she speaks. I'm petty though, so I I, we love I, you, Charlotte. I look for flaws when people are perfect. So <laughs> that's me <laughs> grasping at straws to say something divisive about Charlotte. It's I don't like the way that she talks. <laughs> <laughs> In short, Charlotte Flair is fucking awesome. Yeah, and she is also on. Yeah, and she's also on my Mount Rushmore for the record. Um, she wasn't on mine, but you know what? If we had to queue up a line <laughs> for people who would make it on there, like it's like as you have to face lift the building or the wall, the the, the mountain, whatever. <laughs> if you had to, if you, she's probably like a good like fifth or sixth man for me. <laughs> There you go. Well, man, excuse me. Well, man. Well, man. Well, I think on that note, Jared, it's your turn. Oh, God. So, a bunch of mine are crossovers from last time, uh, which, whatever, I have good taste, so. There you go. We'll just leave it at that. So I'll go for my my one pick that wasn't <laughs> a crossover pick. And it's kind of a uh, one that most people would not go for. A lot of people do not give this person the credit she deserves for being one of the most charismatic women in a sea of women who weren't really doing a whole lot at the time. And my pick is Ivory. And... Like I said, I feel like Ivory is such an unsung hero in wrestling in general because she could wrestle, she was pretty, she could talk, like she could cut a promo. Ivory Mm -hmm. was good no matter what they gave her. Like in preparation for this, I was just watching Ivory promos and that mess she had when she was feuding with um, the fabulous Moolah and Mae Young was the best. Like when she comes, she there's one problem when she comes out with a broomstick and she's like, It's two witches in the ring. <laughs> you left this parked out back in the handicapped spot. And it's just like <laughs> and oh, and when she was doing the like the invitational thing where she would call out people in the crowd and like beat them up. Like there was one where she told the lady, like, Come on in, sweetheart, it's fake. Don't worry about it. And like Ivory's breaking kayfabe in two thousand <laughs> or nineteen ninety-nine or whatever year that was. So, yeah, Ivory is just great. And I feel like she got lost in the shuffle real early because there was not a division. I think when Ivory was there, it was just like her and Jackie were the only ones who could wrestle. And then they brought in Lita and Tori and all those people. And for some reason, she just never did anything else until she got with the right to censor. And then she shot to prominence again then. But, like, I feel like Ivory with the purple scarf and, like, just being real sassy, like that Ivory should have had a lot more recognition even before she got to write to censor. Yeah, I'm 100% on board with this. I love Ivory. She's one of my favorite wrestlers ever. And to your point, I mean, the person she beat for her first women's title run was Deborah. So, you know, do with that what you will. Listen, um, <laughs> Deborah is an icon in her own right. I love Deborah. <laughs> Like, no disrespect, Deborah. Matt You're Pickney awesome. Deborah wrestles in heels. Deborah. There you go. And then Ivory lost the title to the cat. So you know, it, Jeez. It, 
It was a, uh, it was an era, you know. And <laughs> but I was it like the snow bunny in a yeah. pool, like <laughs> it was like a evening gown match or something. Oh, it was the gown in the pool. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, the God. snow bunny thing was when Hervina won from oh. from the cat. In short, it was a very weird era for women's wrestling. (laughs) Call it what it was, a hot mess express. Yes, exactly. And Ivory, though, you know, she was a legitimate wrestler, and she could legitimately cut a promo. And, you know, unfortunately, she got overshadowed, you know, once the whole, you know, Trish and Jazz fuse started, and then Trish and Molly, and then Trish and Victoria, and then Trish, and Trish and Trish. And I'm not complaining about Trish. But, you know, Trish kind of became the face of the division, and all of the feuds revolved around her. Right. And I guess Ivory just wasn't viewed in the same light. Um, she but had I the whole invasion thing with them sure. at first, but it was mainly because Tori and Stacey couldn't wrestle. And they were just like, Ivory, can you just, like, go get beat up for them so that they don't <laughs> have to really do anything besides, like, show up? And correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Ivory also become a pretty prominent coach for WWE? I know she did Tough Enough, and that was pretty awesome because she was tougher than basically everybody in the room. She, um, I know she did like a bout on commentary on Heat for a while, and she was really good too. And they just never kept her. She was, she and Todd Grisham, Todd Grisham, excuse me, were a good team on Heat. She was always really excited, and she knew what she was talking about, but they never kept her, and. Sigh. <laughs> well, we forever stand for Ivory. So. Yes, we live for Ivory and all of her interesting theme music. <laughs> yeah, she did have some very interesting theme music. That, 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 that's my two cents. From like 70s porno to like yeah. techno house trance. <laughs> There's just always an experience. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, Ivory. But you know what? Now she, uh, she owns... Um, an animal care center, and I have and a, a cat business, right? Yeah, so I, I I'm a hundred percent behind Ivory in every way. Before we move on, let me say this one last thing about Ivory. People like to cite like Sable and all in like Sunny as like the original of the divas or whatever. And I know they were there like right before Ivory, but like Ivory honestly was like. The, the first one who really put it all together. They like to say that Trish was the first one to put it all together. She was just the first one to put it all together and then get a spotlight. Yeah. Ivory had it all too. Like I said at the beginning, she could cut the promo, she could wrestle, and she was really, really pretty. She's still pretty to this day and she's like 60. And so I'm like, Ooh. y'all need to give Ivory her due, all y'all out there who don't want to do it. Ivory is the reason that we have all of these other girls. There would be no Charlotte with no Ivory. Thank you very much. Mic drop. I'm done. I'm leaving. Boom. I I support that. I like it. And on that note, Bear, it is your turn once again. Can I go ahead and I'm not going to retract the fact that I think Ronda Rousey has made a huge (laughs) impact in the world of professional wrestling. You're still shook? (laughs) <laughs> I'm a little I'm still shook, but I'm going to retract her <laughs> more. <laughs> now I think you know I'm not I'm not on this podcast to, you know, oh we're all gonna agree and shit, you know, but 
Jared has me thinking that maybe there's someone else a little more deserving, right? Well, you know, we're going to wing it here. Um, I'm going to omit Ronda Rousey from my Mount Rushmore. And I'm going to add someone who I don't think we discussed much last episode. Um, you know, don't treat me like a woman. Don't treat me like a man. I'm not going to sing the rest. Don't but treat me like you know me. Treat me Famer. just for who I am. There you go. Did it for you. Thank you. Thank you. I was going to keep going, but I was like, I don't think people want to hear my voice like that. Um, she deserves her own spot in the Hall of Fame, not just as a member of the Generation X. Um, she untimely passed away a couple years ago, um, but uh, the only woman to ever hold the Intercontinental Championship mm-hmm. and twice. We have to go. We have to give China her diligence here as well. I know Ivory made a huge impact, and I'm glad that we discussed Ivory, but I don't think we can talk about influential res- women's wrestlers without mentioning China. So that's why I'm going to omit Ronda Rousey and add China. Hey, I- I'm with that. She's on my list also. So boom. I mean, she was great in literally a, a, a ridiculous amount of roles. I mean, her and Eddie Guerrero were amazing oh, together. Mama Just- <laughs> Her yes, when Trish X. hit her in the head with that pitcher, we'd love yes. to see it. When Ivory and who was it? Ivory and Tess hit her with the, you know, the spike pile driver. You know, yeah. she she took damage, you know, and she but she also, you know, it wasn't just groundbreaking, but it was like it was genuinely entertaining. It didn't feel forced. I mean, at WrestleMania 14, when she's, you know, handcuffed to sergeant slaughter and then she basically tries to like blind him to get involved in the match for triple h it, it, like she just she was involved in some significant moments in wwf history as well as women's wrestling history because she kind of broke down the barrier to be like hey a woman can kick your ass respect what we do yeah and i mean that's a pretty you know valuable lesson to teach and uh, obviously, rest in peace to China. She absolutely should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, she has. She's probably the most, I don't know, dominant women's wrestler of all time. I think that's I think fair. I think that's safe to say. I mean, Jared. I mean, tell me why I'm wrong. <laughs> is, that, is that my is that my role? The one has to fight. I'll take it because I have thoughts. I have always had such a polarizing feeling about China. Um, Not like not like in a she doesn't deserve her things kind of way because she does and she was great in every role, like you said. My thing about China and women's wrestling in general, like as a thing that goes together, I feel like don't because China was influential in wrestling as a whole. I don't find her to have been influential as a like in women's wrestling like i don't feel like she pushed the 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 sport forward that much because i think it was pretty well known that she didn't want to work with them she didn't want to work with women she didn't want to be women's champion they kind of threw her a bone like just to give her something to do she didn't Mm -hmm. want to do it and you could tell in the way that she fought women 
that she didn't want to do it. And I remember very vividly um, the, there was a match she had with Trish, like when Trish could not wrestle at all. And she was like, she like ragdolled her and like beat her up and then was like, you know what? In her little China voice, I'm not going to pin my opponents anymore. I'm going to start spanking them. And I was like, Ugh. <laughs> which that was WWF at the time. But still, I was that like, was very good China, by the way. Gross. Thank you. I've been practicing. That was very good. <laughs> that was and that was the, that was the the jump off to the to the Lita feud that led to um, that tag match where she wouldn't tag in, and she was like, "If you want to be able to hang with me, Lita, you got to be able to beat up two girls at once." And you know, I just, it's, I just didn't love it. It just felt like she. And, and and to be fair, the division at the time wasn't that strong. She was in a lot of ways kind of quote-unquote above them in that way but like just the way that she behaved when they inserted her into the division felt more like a stumbling block than something that pushed the rest of them forward just in just because of the sheer fact that her as a character didn't take them seriously Mm -hmm. and i just felt like that was a little bit gross but as far as like any all the other stuff that she did like beating up jeff jarrett i'd love to see it beating up like all the people that she did, like clotheslining people and just being a great manager and enforcer character, she was really great at that. Um, all the stuff she did, like you said, with Eddie Guerrero was great. It's just like her insertion as a into the women's division was not great for me. I, I can I can understand that. She definitely <clears throat> she definitely seemed like she wanted to distance herself from it more than associate herself with it or immerse herself in it even um yeah i I, yeah i agree but i i guess my counter to that would be it's like she's the one who set the stage for people like beth phoenix who became kind of faces of the division and i honestly think to an extent somebody like charlotte where it's like we don't talk a lot about how much of a physical advantage charlotte has over basically everybody she wrestles Oh, I would 100% take Charlotte as Intercontinental Champion. I would believe it. Yeah, yeah. Like, she is strong, athletic, and imposing. And, you know, China kind of made that cool. You know, we still see in men's wrestling, women's wrestling the same. It's like, if you're a certain size or build, you have to wrestle a certain way. Like, you you can't be a dynamic competitor. You have to be this, you have to be that. Kind of like how The Undertaker was, like, the first big wrestler, like, 6'10-plus, who was actually doing athletic moves in the ring. Mm-hmm. It's like China kind of showed it's like, yeah, I'm big and I'm tall and I'm strong, but it's like, I but can I'll wrestle. I'll this backflip in a minute. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, she kind of paved the way to be like, if you're not quote unquote normal by wrestling standards, you can still be successful and you can still do it your way. And I think that is what her, like, at least to me, that's what her legacy is. Do people like Beth Phoenix cite China as being influential to them? I'm I'm not trying to be divisive this time. Uh, I'm actually asking for sure because I've never noticed. I've always heard Beth Phoenix uh, like like many others be like, well, I was influenced by like Trish Stratus and stuff. I've never really heard them be like China was my girl. Like she was the one that got me lit. Maybe she did. Now that I'm thinking about it, I can't remember. I'm reading a quote now. She says, China was such a huge influence on me and being that mold-breaking female, that was just like nothing I'd ever seen before and such an inspiration to get into the gym. 
Well, there it's a long is. quote. I'm not going <laughs> to So, <laughs> but yeah, apparently so. So that's, I mean, that's cool. And it's like, I think that is the standard kind of for all of us to kind of just, you know, open the door for other people to come after you. Yeah, I like, I, I love it. I love that she had that influence on people. And I think even even then, like in all the stuff that I was saying about her in the women's division, I don't think that was necessarily on her either. Because at that point, weren't they kind of over her anyways and trying to get rid of her at that True. point? So I feel like her, they were probably just trying to upset her so that yeah. Stephanie and Triple H could go and do their thing and it not be weird. Awkward. And I'll fail. <laughs> Oh, on that on that awkward note, I suppose we should move to the next name. Who who's who's up? Oh, is it I'm, my turn? Oh no, it's your turn. Oh, it's me. Okay, well, I'm going to stand for someone who does not get enough love, and I don't care if Jared thinks she's a charisma vacuum. Um, <laughs> I'm like the villain of. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm the villain. I go against what everyone says. I'm just here to argue. Well, you know Love what? It. I'm just going to say it. My third name on the Mount Rushmore of women's wrestling is Gail Kim. And if you didn't watch TNA, you're probably like that lady who was good for a little while and then left. Yes, the one who had the title for a month and then left. Won it in her first match, though. Or won it in her first match. That is true. Like the original page move. Um, if you did watch TNA or Impact Wrestling, whatever you want to call it, um, it's forever TNA. Uh, Gail Kim was doing things in the women's division that just weren't being done. You know, the women's revolution in WWE is 100% important and valid. It is the biggest wrestling company in the world. It matters what actually happens there. In saying that, you could argue that the women's revolution on mainstream TV was happening on Spike TV with TNA. And Gail Kim was really at the forefront of that. There was a lot of talent in that division. You know, yes, we talked like Raka time. Khan. <laughs> <laughs> the best technician ever. What a name. I haven't heard that name. It's, it's hard to recover from that. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, you know, they had, as we said, Victoria was there. You know, Mickey James was there. And like, you know, the beautiful people, ODB. There were a lot of talented women there. And Gail Kim, you know, it wasn't just the quality of matches, but it was also the match types where she was really kind of, you know, pushing boundaries and doing things in settings that women weren't usually allowed to do um, for whatever bizarre reason uh she was actually the first ever impact knockouts champion or tna knockouts champion um she's a hall of famer in tna whatever that means um but i i just think that you know she is one of those originals who you know we always talk about obviously they probably had a bigger impact just be off of you know fanfare but guys like you know kurt angle and jeff hardy and christian who went to tna and that really boosted that company to over you know a million views a week on tv gail kim was a big part of that because she was really a solidifying force for the women's division had some really good matches and i mean she was a wrestler you know she maybe she didn't cut the greatest promo of all time but she (laughs) <laughs> but she was a great wrestler and she was doing things in the ring that were quite unique. I, you know, I think she had some great matches in WWE also, even though her run was brief. And I, I, it always makes me sad that Gail Kim didn't go back to WWE just because I feel like 
she fit this era way more than she fit her own, just in terms of what she can do in the ring. And because she was in TNA, which just steadily imploded through no fault of hers, um, she really doesn't get the due that she's owed. But if you go back and you watch Gail Kim wrestle, you know, I mean, she got a great match out of Taryn Terrell. No disrespect to Taryn Terrell. Um, Hold up. What you're not going to do is act like Skirt Tiffany was not a great wrestler on she her was, own. She was a beast. <laughs> like, that, you, said, you said pull pull a good match out of her like she was a novice. You, you will put some respect on Skirt is, Tiffany's look, name. That, that uh, what do we call it? RKO? Knockout RKO? Oh, her little TKO move? Yeah, there you go. Off of the, you know, entrance ramp down to the floor is one of the, you know, great moments in TNA and you know Gail Kim took that thing like a champ and you know that's what Gail Kim is all about and now she's married to the guy who makes that show that's basically just Gordon Ramsay without Gordon Ramsay don't do Robert Irvine he's Jack too and my wife loves him don't do Robert Irvine he'll fight you too actually (laughs) I know he will but I'm loyal to Gordon Ramsay who has never met me does not know I exist yeah that that's a jacked motherfucker, but this um, makes you sounding like an idiot sandwich. <laughs> uh, Jared, I believe that you are next. I have things to say about Gail Kim. Oh, please. Excuse me. <laughs> I had please, to I had to defend ahead. Skirt Tiffany, but I have things to say well, about bitch. Gail Kim and the things that she was doing. And yes, I did say she was a charisma vacuum, and I stand by it because she is dull as dishwater when it comes time for her to talk. <laughs> dull as she is boring AF. I am but, incorporating that into my vocabulary. But she is one of those people that doesn't need to talk because yes. when she actually has to do something, when it's time for her to actually wrestle and tell a story in the ring, she is great. She is great in an underdog role, and she was also great when she was a heel, even though she yes. could talk, which was interesting. But that was why I think they put <laughs> her with people who could talk, like when she was with Madison Rain, who is the greatest talker, one of, in TNA, especially when she was the killer queen and she was, like, shrieking all the time. Oh, I love it. Anyway, <laughs> that's an honorable mention. She didn't make my Mount Rush more, but I love Madison Rain. And her theme music is a bop. Killer Queen, not that other one she tried to like remix and do her own thing to, that instrumental. No. Anyways, anyways, anyways. Um, Gail Kim is great. I stand by that 100%. Don't ever talk to me because you're boring. But I would be happy to eat defeat <laughs> because that move is still cool. Yep. There. There's nothing I can go off that like at all. Um, no, I... I like Gail Kim. She didn't make my list or anything like that, but she's made an impact, pun intended, you know, in TNA and Impact Wrestling, and she deserves the credit as well. You know, we have someone who had ivory on the Mount Rushmore. So, cool. This is different, you know. I don't think many people put as much respect on ivory's name quite like they should, just like Gail Kim. So I think that this is really cool. Like I said, I didn't have her on my personal one or my all-time, but I like the diversity we got going on here. I agree. So with that, Jared, I believe, again, and unless you have more thoughts on Gail Kim, no. you may take four. Um, okay, so I have another one that wasn't on my original list, but as we're talking about it, I feel like 
is another unsung hero. I feel like for me, these are more unsung heroes than Rushmore's, but whatever. Um, I am going to take away the spot that I was going to give to Victoria, which is still well-deserved. I love Victoria, but I'm sure she's on many, many lists of greatest of all time. So I'm going to give this spot to somebody else because Victoria doesn't need it. Even though she should be in the Hall of Fame, uh, sore subject. Um, (laughs) I'm going to give this spot to somebody else who has had a Hall of Fame-worthy career, and that is Molly Holly. Oh, I I love this. Yes, we love to see it. Molly Hell yeah. Molly Holly is probably one of the greatest unsung heroes that are out there as far as wrestling is concerned. She was one of those people who could do it all as well as far as like being face or heel. Like and her characters were very were like vastly different across the board too. And she was willing to do anything to make sure that the person she worked with looked good. And as dumb as it is, I feel like that was part of her downfall because they hate when people are just happy to be there and happy to like make somebody else look good, which is stupid because it's predetermined. But I always heard that like she didn't go as far because she was always willing to be the one that looked stupid or like just wanted to make sure that everybody else looked good when they worked with her, which was why people like Christy and all those people got to look good early on in their career when they didn't have any formal training is because people they were able to trust people like Molly Holly and people like Victoria to not let them go out there and fall in their heads, literally. So, um, but from top to bottom, Molly Holly is great. When she came in as the Holly cousin because for some reason Crash and Hardcore Holly didn't want to beat up Trish Stratus, which was totally allowed back then. Like right. <laughs> they could full on have punched her in the face and people would have been lit. But do people remember what Austin and Triple H did to Lita? Oh <laughs> yes. In that, in that you should, she should have left Stephanie alone. <laughs> she she shouldn't, she shouldn't attack Stephanie. She thought she was slick and she wanted to win that match. And what did she get for it? She didn't think she would get beat up with them chairs, but <laughs> nevertheless. <laughs> oh my God. Um, yeah, so they brought her in to be the uh, foil to Trish Stratus. And when she first came out and she was, like, doing flips and stuff, and people were like, hold up, what's this thick girl doing? Even right. beforehand when she was in uh, WCW. I didn't watch her in WCW. I was too young. But I'm familiar with the fact that she was there. Um, but when she got to WWF at the time and she was just doing doing the doing the things with Trish, like, I feel like she kind of had, like, if we had to put it in like a modern reference point, she was kind of like the Naomi sort of because she was just always kind of there. And then when she wrestled, it was like, wait, hold on. She can do that. Like she can do stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can't remember who she was fighting where it was, where they had that moment. I, I want to say it might've been Ivory or it might've been Jackie where she can kind of came out and was like doing flips and just kind of carrying on and just being awesome. And the Molly go round is still one of the coolest finishers to me. I love the Molly go round. And anytime somebody kicked out of it, I was legitimately angry (laughs) (laughs) because Molly was a thick girl (laughs) with that extra spin on that Molly go round. Nah, you were, you should have been done. (laughs) 
But she she also had really good feuds like with Trish. When she hit Trish in the head with that paddle mm. and it broke, I was shook. Like, how old was I? Like 12? 12, 12-year-old 12 me was like, oh, why would you do that? <laughs> why would you do that? That was That's so nasty. And then she like ramped it up and was like, I'm a virgin and I don't need to have sex with people to be great. I'm the best. <laughs> and just like that whole thing was like. Pure and wholesome. Awesome. And they like made fun of her for having a big butt and they put her in the granny panties. It was just great. Like she just went with it and she wasn't afraid to look stupid. And even in that time, she was carrying people to serviceable matches and like far, like far beyond their skill level. Like she made Trish look good every time. And Trish could not wrestle at that point. She gave Tori Wilson one of the best matches of her life. She did the same thing with Nydia, if I'm not mistaken. Like, she just made people, as women's champion, she just made everybody look good. So that was what made her a great champion to me, because she raised everybody's skill level just because everybody was comfortable working with her. And we all know that she is the reason that Beth Phoenix was, like, even exists like mm-hmm. <laughs> right now, um, is because of Molly Holly. So Molly Holly that. is and, the best. Uh, in her Hall of Fame speech, she made mention that, you know, if it wasn't for Molly Holly, she wouldn't be wrestling. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, that alone, you know, she's made a huge impact. And I actually used to use the Molly go round, you know, I used to use the Molly go round as a finisher in, I believe it was day of reckoning on GameCube. Um, I didn't care. <laughs> I didn't care if I was the ever. Yeah. Standard bear. Yeah. It that was, was the good, best game. Honestly, where you would beat up the ref and he would just snap. <laughs> awesome. Oh, goodness. You yes. know, I, I'm 100% in support of Molly Holly, Mighty Molly, whichever version of her. I mean, when she hit the hurricane with a literal frying pan at WrestleMania 18 to win the hardcore title, that was like one of the greatest moments of my young life. Um <laughs> uh, I mean, she let WWE shave her head and put ridiculous right. fake wigs on. Now, obviously fake, but like flimsy the wigs chin on strap her. wigs. Yeah, oh like, god. oh my god. She, that was the best. <laughs> she was a legitimately great wrestler. I think she was trained by like Dean Malenko. Like, she was a great wrestler. And then she would go out and be like, cool, what do you need? And then she'd make everybody look better. And by the way, she did have a little, you know, alliance going on with Gail Kim. So. Oh yeah, when points. they were all, uh, then they were all Trish's lackeys for like a minute. Yep. <laughs> and they just were real, <laughs> just real salty, and she looked like she had come straight from the Lane Bryant, like she had just clocked out from her shift at Talbot's, and she just wanted to fight. <laughs> uh, we, we love you, Molly Holly. And by the way, she was awesome in the Royal Rumble this year. Yeah. Every time they bring her back, she's amazing. And yep. the fact that she also is not in the Hall of Fame yet, too much. True. That's common. That's got to that's gotta be something, you know, in the next couple, you know, if not next year, then very soon, yeah. right? Yeah. We, we, we hope so. Molly and Victoria, geez. Yeah. It's, the, the Victoria thing, you know, I'm, I, don't, I don't get it. I still don't get it. I never will. That's because they're ready. I guess <laughs> they are petty Bettys at Titan Towers. Petty Bettys, I like that too. You're 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 on fire with the content here today, Mister. I like it. 
My general well, greatness is always shining through. There you go. I believe it is your turn, Brian, right? Is it? I thought it was your turn. Fuck! I believe it is. Um, Why is no one ready? He <laughs> wasn't ready. So, I made mention of China. I uh, made mention of Charlotte. We touched on her career in the last episode, and I believe we have to put some respect on her name, even though she already gets the respect she deserves. Trish Stratus. Um, yes. Revolutionary, right? You know, debuted in debuted in the year 2000 as just a manager uh, for TNA. Tessa and Albert, not total nonstop action. Um, I love. Who, I still think should have gotten a tag team title reign. I don't understand why it never happened. I'm big mad that they didn't. TNA was a great tag team. And Bear uh, is a test mark. Oh no, I'm a, I'm a test stand too. I'm here for it. Yes, the test. Wait, wait, wait. Respect to Stacy Keebler. We're all testicles. Yes. That was. We are all great. testicles. I'm so glad that we are all testicles. That man, <laughs> well, I could do, we might have to do a whole podcast on the missed opportunity of Andrew fucking Tess Martin, but, yes. you know, you know, but we're on Trish Stratus. She started her career as the manager of TNA, who deserved a tag team title run, for fuck's sake. Um, that didn't happen, so in the year 2001, I believe, which only a year into her career, she became women's champion, and the legacy just really took off from there right she won the are we gonna champion. gloss over the entire thing with vince and, <laughs> and, we're gonna and stephanie we're gonna Please. get for sure <laughs> i mean seven time women's champion she won a hardcore championship herself she's already in the hall of fame which is you know much deserved um yeah but we'd be remiss not to mention you know my I believe I was 13 years old at the time watching Trish Stratus just crawl around the ring in the way she was because of Vince McMahon. Barking like a Let's dog. Let's just say it. She had to bark like a dog yeah. in her bra and underwear. Which made for some compelling television for my 13-year-old pre- <laughs> on my for my little whatever. My point is... Oh. Yeah, no, that took a turn. But no... That was... And that's the end of our podcast. Goodbye. No. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that was... Uh, that's still not really shown on TV as much anymore, but that was like one that's of those... That's because it was awful. <laughs> yeah, but it was kind of painful in the Attitude Era, don't you think? Like, yeah. Oh, no, it was peak Attitude Era. It was just yeah. gross. Because I think oh, even she was... went back afterwards and was like, oh, God, that was gross. <laughs> you know what, though? This... Trish is on my list, too, so I'll just say this. The fact that she did that and then had the career she did after that <laughs> is, like, that's, like, the reason why anytime someone's like, wow, that just happened, this person's career is over. It's like, unless you've gotten down in your bra and underwear and barked like a dog, you haven't been through shit in WWE. Like They threw all that stuff in that mop on her, too. Oh, like, my God. They had her looking real foolish for a good minute. <laughs> They, oh my god, I, they made Trish look like subhuman. And then she turns around and may have been the greatest women's wrestler of all time. Um, Do we, because I, I can't remember vividly in that storyline, why did she stick around after that? Like, 
when when Vince realigned with Stephanie, why did she stay with them like and let them do all that stuff to her? I can't remember. A lot just, of self respect. Just because <laughs> <laughs> she knew she was gonna get them got at WrestleMania. I mean, who knows? Well, I think she, she we didn't do our homework. <laughs> And Vince literally told her, you're a toy that I'm tired of playing with. I guess the ultimate payoff was the fact that she got to slap Vince at WrestleMania yes. 17 and, you and know, so. turned face in the process when Vince faced Shane at that uh, WrestleMania. Yep. And, and, and look, she beat, didn't she also beat him in that? Did they, when did they win that match? I can't remember. When she tagged with The Rock to beat Kurt and Vince, too. <laughs> That's right. She put the beat down on Vince in that match. I remember that in her little purple outfit. <laughs> yeah, well, no, that. Yeah. Essentially, Trish has been through hell in WWE. <laughs> and Honestly. she came out, I mean, stronger i don't know she came out incredibly well i mean she definitely took her lumps at the beginning because she yeah. went through tables Ooh. she would get beat up she yep. would get like um she would get jumped like <laughs> she uh she went through the paces to get to where she was and the fact that they trusted her especially well i guess at that point it wasn't a huge thing because deborah and all of them had been women's champion at the time but the fact that they trusted her to jump start the division again was saying a lot because she was not even in the six pack challenge that she won jr was like we definitely didn't think she was going to win but <laughs> <laughs> let's see what she does with it now and go with it she did um all through her first title reign when she was like they they were trying to make it look like she was a better wrestler than she was mm -hmm. but she she did the best she could do it wasn't until like i think like title reign like number three did she really come into her own um but, and that's a credit to trish because she worked her ass off to justify the you know success she'd been having and she became a great wrestler who had a lot of great matches. I mean, we talked about it last time. Her feuds are iconic. You know, obviously the Vince, for better or worse, um, <laughs> you know, but, you know, the feud with Lita. I mean, she feuded with Molly Holly, Gail Kim, you know. I mean, Literally everyone. Everyone. And, I mean, her, like her, her feud with Mickey James and the, you know, infamous, infamous uh, the finger situation um you know it's like trish was not above humbling herself for the story i guess is what we're trying to say um and you know she ended up being a genuine legend of professional wrestling who came back and had that match with charlotte that i thought was a great match mm -hmm. um and you know to her credit she didn't come back and go i have to win this you know she came back and she was ready to give back to the generation and I think she was adamant that she lose yeah. yeah, you know, and that that's just a testament to Trish. You know, probably maybe the biggest star women's wrestling has had. Um, I think two of my favorite, and these are totally unrelated moments, but I think two of my favorite moments from Trish's like like title winning, title defending, was at New Year's Revolution where she beat Mickey after Mickey hit her with the Stratisfaction. 
and then they do like the where she ducks the mid kick and then she chick kicks her in the back mm-hmm. of the head. That yeah. sound Perfect. that that kick made. Oh my god! And then Joey saying the chick kick mixed the chick kick did not good night Mickey. I was like, oh, Joey Styles is amazing. And then my other favorite was when she won the title for the fifth time in that fatal five way. When Lita hit the DDT on Molly, I think. And then Trish literally comes out of nowhere and like rolls Lita up and like like does this weird flip thing to get back out of the ring. And she just like stole the title from Lita. <laughs> Lita was real salty. I was like, ah, stupid. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, heel Trish is like the greatest. <laughs> and when she uh, spray painted slut on Christy Hemi. Oh God! That but I digress. <laughs> oh, she made Tristy look like such a fool. <laughs> but Trish, you're a legend. Uh, she was actually the fourth on my list, but for the sake of just being different, I'm gonna mention somebody that we haven't actually mentioned yet. And uh, you know, I just said Trish might be the biggest star in women's wrestling history. This woman is, you know, making a case for herself right now, and that's Becky Lynch. Um. Kind of the weird story, right? Like, four horsewomen. I think we talked about it before. It was, like, the three horsewomen and Becky. Mm. And she mm. was just kind of, like, there when they were there. And it's like, oh, she's a good wrestler, too. Let's put her on SmackDown, where literally none of them are. And it's like, sure, we'll have her win the title and then hold it for, like, a month. Or I guess she held it for a little while. But, like, you know, Alexa became bigger than her. And then Charlotte went over there and dominated and it took a while, and Becky was just doing puns on, you know, Instagram and having people tattoo her all over their bodies. That's another story for another day. Um, but she's bounced back and has really become the face of women's wrestling right now. And it's probably been about two consecutive years that she's been in that position, uh, which is a pretty significant run to truly be on top of a division. Uh, she's on the cover of a video game, you know? As Bear said, not the best game, but still on the cover of a video game. The first woman to ever do that. One of three who were the first women to main event WrestleMania. And I guess now what's interesting about Becky is, you know, she's kind of getting that Brock treatment where she's not there every week. Obviously, there are a lot more than Brock was, but she's getting that weird treatment like that. But even still, it's like she's on TV shows now and she shows up on ESPN for interviews and... She's everywhere, and I think she's a great wrestler. Uh, I know she's not everybody's speed, and I use that word intentionally. But, you know, I know she's not everybody's speed, and I know some people don't like the whole the man thing, which, you know, is the point. But, you know, I, I think Becky might be the biggest star in terms of crossing over not only from wrestling but out of wrestling in the history of women's of the women's division, or at least of this era. So I think honorable mention or inclusion, however you want to slice it, Becky Lynch. I think Nikki and Brie would disagree with that as far as crossover. Touche. (laughs) Touche. But, you know, fair point. But, I, I mean, I guess my point is just, like, Becky is that it's almost like Austin, and I know they've tried to make that super on the nose, but it's, like, that story where it's, like, it wasn't supposed to be her, and then it was. And it's kind of a parody of itself at times, but at the same time, it's also impressive that she managed to be the top 
star of the Four Horsewomen for the past two years when she was the one who nobody really seemed to bat an eye at within the WWE, I guess, creative structure. I have my hand raised. You can't see me, but my hand is up. Can I go? I'm calling on you. <laughs> so, um, I agree. So I, have, I have thoughts. <laughs> um, I think that Becky Lynch is great. And when you put her up against Charlotte, Sasha, and Pam, I... I, I don't know. I refuse to call her Bailey. I don't know why. I just Pam. Pam is Bailey. I love her. <laughs> we only refer to Bailey as Pam on this podcast now. I feel like she probably, as far as like showmanship as a wrestler, is the weakest. Um, piggybacking off what you said, she's not everybody's cup of tea. I find her as a wrestler to be very boring. Um, her move set, excuse me, is boring. She is probably, I think they say, one of the safest people to work with, which is great. But, like, as far as, like, impact moves and, like, believability of her, like, beating you up, I have never seen it. I don't see it. I don't get on the bandwagon for that. But her as a whole package, I think, is great. I full-on feel like she should have been on the cover of the video game by herself. And if she wasn't by herself, it should have been her and Kofi. But I digress. That is not a hill that I need to die on today. (laughs) Um. I think she has had really good character development over the years too, like as far as evolution of a character goes. You have always known, like her her motivations have always made sense to me because when they brought her in, she was like, I'm the random Irish jig girl from Ireland. Cool, cool, cool. And then she kind of built, she kept building on that. And so it's like, I'm not Irish dancing anymore. I'm just having a nice time. I'm just here for a good time. Hey, I'm just as good as Charlotte, Sasha, and Pam. Why is nobody paying attention to me? They acknowledged all of that stuff in her character. And I think that that is part of the reason why it worked. And so when they tried to turn her heel against Charlotte, nobody was like, I'm not, everybody was like, I'm not buying it. I'd be pissed at Charlotte too. (laughs) So I just feel like her character development from, from the beginning to this point that she's at now just makes sense. And it's believable. And I think that's part of the reason why her people haven't gotten bored with her yet. You, you see, there's some people on Twitter who like to talk smack, but that's just because it's Twitter and everybody wants to talk on Twitter. But for the most part, people still love to see her. And when she shows up, people pay attention. And it's she's all the stuff that she has done, she has done successfully. So all the accolades and stuff that she's gotten right now are well-deserved, despite some of her shortcomings, I think, as like a as like a flashy wrestler, as like a as a like crossover appeal and stuff. I don't watch ESPN, so I wouldn't know that she was she was out there to ain't my bag. But I know she just filmed a TV show and stuff. So I'm like, I love to see that she is doing well and she's getting the respect and accolades that she deserves, especially as somebody who was a wrestler and then left to go do other things and then came back and it's just great. I love when people can make their dreams come true. That's the one nice thing I'm going to say this whole podcast. <laughs> proud of you. I'm proud of you. That's a happy note. I like that. Can I... um Edit it out, please. <laughs> no, we're not editing shit, but can I get you riled up here for a second? Oh, God. Um, we're going right to... Stir me up. 
I'm gonna stir you up. We're gonna get away from Becky Lynch for a second. Um, we're gonna go to Austin Theory's asshole. Well, <laughs> that's not where I was going with. That. I mean, I can talk about that all day. It's gonna be very hard for me to transition out of that. that that's gonna No, it's not. Don't edit that shit. I don't want you to. For context. You know what? Fuck context. We're not going to give you the context of Austin Theory's butthole. I would um, tell you to Google it, but for the love of God, don't. You no. can't find it. Yeah, we already had our investigators uh, Google it. Uh, oh, God. Anyways, stir me up. I'm waiting. All right. So I'm reading a quote here from the Baltimore Sun. Kevin Eck wrote, this person didn't just dominate women's wrestling for parts of four decades. She was women's wrestling. She was unquestionably the most influential and famous female wrestler in history. Pause. If you say the fabulous Mula, I'm going to hang up. Don't hang up. But I want your thoughts on the overall... I, I, don't, I don't know the full story of what she did outside of wrestling. And I think that's a good topic that we could discuss here. Are you talking about the fabulous Mula? Is that where we're going? That is, where I was <laughs> is, going. There, is, is this where we're at? No, I only bring her up because, you know, as I'm doing my research, I realize that she's got the accolades to at least be mentioned. And again, I'm not doing I'm not doing this just to rile you up. I just you're trying want... to you're trying to do some devil's advocate kind of thing, and I don't know that I love it. No, 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 no. I don't know enough about what she. I don't know what like. Can I we edit into this moment the meme where she says, "I am disgusted." You better talk to her before I do, because I'm gonna hurt her feelings. <laughs> I just want okay. I just want to know. I I see. Here's the thing. I don't know the outside stuff. All right, I'll answer the question at hand. And the question at hand is, is she one of the greatest wrestlers of all time? And yeah. for better or worse, probably. I mean, she yeah. also bullied her way to a lot of her success. Right. But She I was mean, an actual madam. She was a madam who forced people to give her money so that they could exist she is trash. Throw the whole, as Ivory would say, sea hag away. <laughs> she is awful. She also spent over 10,000 days as a women champion. That's because um, nobody could challenge her because she wouldn't do it. That is also and, fair. And she was also complicit when they uh, screwed, who was it, Wendy Richter out of being champion as the spider lady. Gag. Women Gross. Disgusting. Again, I did not, you know, I did not come on here. No, you tried to set me up. Of course not. No, I'm not. You tried, you tried to <laughs> gaslight me. <laughs> no, 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 no. Listen, listen I'm not, I, I don't. You are not a journalist. You did not go to school for this. <laughs> that's why I'm, <laughs> well, listen, I just wanted to bring the name up because of, like Brian mentioned, there was a reason they renamed that Battle Royal. There is a reason they expunged most of her from history. There is a reason that they do not talk about it anymore. Because she was the actual devil. 
that's good. Any time. more questions? Nope, nope, nope. I uh, I do believe that we should steer away from this woman. I won't even bring her up by name. Let's uh. And now it's my turn again, isn't it? <laughs> is it? I think it is. See, now I'm all shook up. Now I don't even know. I don't even know where my head is at. Now I'm upset. Karma. Now I'm thinking about Austin Theory's butthole again. Oh God. Again. Uh, anyways. So I'm 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 rewriting my list as we go along, just so you know. <laughs> um, am, am I am I allowed to to riff? Can I can I can I can I do a hot take and do a two person in one slot? Oh please do, do. please do. I would like to put into my next spot, my number three spot. I would like to put in Michelle McCool and Melina together. Huh. Yes. Very interesting. Give me, give me all of it. Mainly because, mainly because, when when people like Trish left, it left kind of a void in the division, and I think what they were trying to do is they were trying to fill it, and you know their their go to girl to fill that hole was Candace Michelle, who I love. But she just couldn't, she, her body couldn't handle it, bless. <laughs> she got, you looked at her hard and she, like, her clavicle exploded. And they had to put somebody else in that spot. And that's where you get Michelle and you get Melina. I believe Michelle showed up first. Yes, because she was in the same diva search as Christy. Yes, 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 question mark? Y'all know. Um, she so she showed up and she was doing all that weird stuff because remember when she when they were bringing those random diva search girls in it's like random things she was like a massage therapist or something no Joy was the massage therapist Michelle was the yoga person that's what it was Michelle was the yoga girl who was hanging out with Big Show and she had beef with Don Marie who also does not get nearly as much accolade as she deserves Don Marie is also great but I digress. That storyline with uh with uh Tori Wilson's dad was one that I'll never forget. So uh, yes, Don Don was a girl who should have gotten a lot more than what she got too. Don was great and she made Tori look okay, but Don was should have won at least half of those bikini contests. <laughs> and this is me coming as a full on homosexual. Don Marie was super hot. She anyway. also had sex with Tori Wilson's dad. I mean, whatever. <laughs> we 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 love people who love daddies. Yes. We stand Ooh. for Tammy Lynn bitch. Oh god. <laughs> Anyhow, um <laughs> so Michelle had that little feud with Don and it was like you could you could see hey this girl has potential, but she didn't really start showing it until around the time she got ready to win the Divas Championship. So when she was leading into that, when she was feuding with like Layla, who also another unsung hero, I should have made Lay cool this spot actually, but it's already messy. So we'll just we'll just leave Layla as an honorable mention. There you go. Um, she just I'm 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 having a hard time articulating everything that I want to say because I don't particularly care for Michelle as a person, but Michelle as a wrestler. Yes, I'm all in. 
um, because she was one of the, she was one of the few women at the time who could punch you, and it looked like she was really trying to punch you. Like, <laughs> like Michelle's strikes always looked crisp and believable. Like she was really trying to hurt you. And then on the flip side, you have Melina, who came in as the manager, a great manager, by the way. Eminem was also great. I didn't, I didn't listen to the whole tag team episode, so I don't know if Eminem got a mention, but they didn't. Em- should have. Eminem was also they great. Um, yeah. So Melina came in, and they they were their first feud. They were their first match. Melina's first match in WWE was against Michelle, if you guys remember. Um, Michelle lost because Melina cheated, and their feud kind of just lived for years after that. Even if they weren't each other's main rival at the time, they always kind of circled back around and was like, huh. I don't like that bitch. <laughs> like, I remember that I don't like her. And if you guys remember when they had their match at the Bash, I believe, where Michelle won her first women's championship, they got in trouble because their match was too good. That's right. I'm sure, I'm sure you guys have heard that before. I like, do. Yeah, I remember that now. So stupid. Their match was too good and they were punished for it. And it's like every time Michelle and Melina fought each other, whether one one was face and the other was heel or flip it, they always excelled because they just had great chemistry together. Melina is another one who needs to go into the Hall of Fame like yesterday, but she's still an active wrestler, so she probably won't go for a while. But they also don't really mention her very often, which is strange. But I, I actually agree. saw her at a show in Brooklyn a few months ago, and ah. Uh, did she, she do the split? Are you shook? Yeah, I was in the front row, and she did the split right in front of me, and all my childhood dreams came true. <laughs> do you remember the time she did it at Survivor Series and fell? <laughs> she, had to, she had to go and do it again? Oh, God. Oh, goodness. I feel like I, I did both of their careers a gross injustice by just glossing over it, but my, but Michelle and Melina together are my number three pick. They had great Michelle with Lay Cool was great. Michelle as the silent killer when she first turned heel and had those awful lopsided bangs when when Marie beat her for the Divas Championship and she like killed Maria. That was great too. Like Michelle excelled in every role she was into, even though she also was a charisma vacuum. She could not talk, but she did her best <laughs> in Lay Cool. Layla helped her out a lot in that. Um. And then Melina was just great, no matter what she did. She could talk. She was great as a heel. She was better as a heel than a face, though. I found her to be a very boring face. And I will never, ever, 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 ever forgive her for ruining, and I will say that very strongly, ruining the Divas Championship reigns of not only Jillian Hall, but Alicia Fox as well. That's why she don't get her own spot. She got to share because I'm still mad about it. (laughs) Tweet it out. Yeah. That that used to bother. That bothered me so much. They treated Jillian and Alicia like that. (laughs) And because I I understood that Melina was the star, but she was also injured. So there was no reason to bring her right back in and make her champion immediately. Jillian was champion for like five minutes. They could have at least let her be champion to the next Raw. And then... Foxy didn't even get to look like she had ever been champion. Melina came in, and the next pay-per-view, she beat her for the title. 
What is that? I forgot about Jillian Hall's reign as Divas Champion, so you're oh, right. Yes, she sung paparazzi and everything. She beat Mickey James. She cheated. She also had something eaten off of her face. Oh, goodness. Yeah, the boogeyman was... If, we, uh, if, if, if you guys ever do like a greatest like female manager episode, I also want to be on that one, too, because I have thoughts. We got you, for sure. That's a plan. I have thoughts. That is definitely going to happen. Well, I, I believe my four are up, but I'll give an honorable mention before Jared takes us home with his number four. Um, I, I know that this may be a little, you know, polarizing, but I'm going to say someone who I think was ahead of their time and doesn't really stand out anymore, but really should have done more than she did when it was her prime, and that's Natalia. Um oh, Caddy. She's one of those wrestlers who, like, we said this about Molly Holly. I think it's true about Natalia also. It's like, you put her in the ring with somebody, and she makes matches way better than they should be. You know, and look, Michelle and Melina, you know, Eve Torres, you know, the Bella Twins, all of them, they were great at what they did. But the fact that Natalia was a one-time Divas champion and only has one kind of ridiculous... SmackDown Women's Title Reign on her resume is crazy to me. She's one of those original, uh, well, I won't say original because she did come along, I guess, in the late 2000s, early 2010s. But, you know, she was a wrestler, like a real, real wrestler who had the respect of everybody and still does. And it's just when you hear people talk about Natalia, it's so glowing and people speak about her like they're in awe of her. And then you look at her resume and it just doesn't compute. And I've always felt that her resume should be three times what it is right now. I thought her match with Becky Lynch last year was outstanding, the submissions match. Um, I'll always be a fan of Natalia. Well, I can't talk. I'll always be a fan of Natalia. And I really just, it blows my mind that her resume is what it is because she... I mean, she was ahead of her time, and she's one of the best pure wrestlers in women's wrestling history. And I really wish that she would get the respect that I think she deserves. I agree with that. Um, I I do know she's got one thing in her resume, that she's the first woman to hold both the Divas Championship and the SmackDown Women's Championship. So I guess that's, you know, that's something. Some well, she's, she's the only one besides Mickey who can do it. <laughs> Like, well, Unless Alicia Fox shows up, which I doubt, right? But the point is, you know, she's got that going for her, I guess. But I agree, she does not get the respect that she deserves, and I think that you know, I'm glad that you mentioned her because I think we uh, we would have made a mistake if we didn't mention Natalia, right? Absolutely. Uh, Ooh, give it to me. I like I like Natty. I find Natty to be very funny, like. Unintentionally, unintentionally, oh, hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but, like on TV half the time, it's 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 hilarious. Like, yeah, she's a mess, and like the fact that her like the fact that she's a full on meme with like the you guys like such and such like oh Natalia, yeah, yeah she no. is also blessed like a charisma vacuum. She is also very boring. And I feel like that's why she didn't get she doesn't get more is because she's boring. And 
as as like lame as it is, technical wrestlers, as great as they are, are often boring. And she didn't she's she's never done anything to really make herself stand out outside of being a good wrestler. And obviously when you're talking about wrestling, that is important, but like her character is boring. Like it's just like what is her motivation besides I'm a heart? She has if they see this is my thing. I used to talk about this with my friend all the time. They should have given her, instead of the stupid farting thing, they should have given her a full cat lady gimmick where she was like (laughs) Where they just called her Caddy. I don't, I don't care. Just call her Caddy, and she comes out like Tori used to come with Chloe. She comes out with a cat, and and she's just full like modern cat lady, and she just excels as like she says cat themed moves. Like she does like a back scratch, and it's called like the scratching post or something, or like or something like they, if they. It, because she doesn't have a problem with being stupid. so I'm she pretty could, sure that this is what we have dumb. to do. I'm pretty sure this is what we have to do for episode two of Fantasy Booking. Just have Jared explain the whole <laughs> cat lady gimmick. Yes, caddy. <laughs> we book caddy. <laughs> oh, God. Yes. But I really like Natalia. And I enjoy her body of work when she's in a mat, in a multi-woman match. I don't really love Natty one-on-one with anybody <laughs> because I get real bored seeing snap suplexes and chin locks. I, I'm sorry. I need some spice. <laughs> That's, fair. That's completely fair. Do you have any other names that you want to bring up before we, uh, we wrap this thing up? I do. Um, I have, I have, I do have a number one slot. But I want to rapid fire just name a couple names that I wish I could have put on here, but don't have the space. So I mentioned Madison Rain before, who is great, great talker, great wrestler. She is one of those people who, like, wants to do everything in the wrestling business. She's a commentator right now. She's not great at it, but she's she's there. She, like, does backstage production work, if I'm not mistaken. Like, she just is somebody who really is into the business as they say i really respect that about madison i love her um another one is angelina love who is amazing at everything Mm -hmm. she was obviously the blueprint to the to the blue the beautiful people were obviously the blueprint to lay cool and that can be episode in and of itself which team was better which iteration of the team was better i feel like I feel like Lay Cool was probably a little bit better, like overall, because Velvet Sky was trash. I said it fight me. Uh, <laughs> no arguments. You are breaking my sixteen-year-old heart. Oh, Velvet Sky and her skunk highlights, no, ma'am. I think she cheated on Chris Saban with Bubba Ray Dudley too. So there is also questionable judgment. There's a lot going on there too. Yeah. We are Motor City Machine Gun stands, so that does well, not fly. Chris Saban is also very cute, and Bully Ray is not. So, anyway, moving right along. Um, she wasn't a goat, but she could have been if she had stuck around. And that would be Eve Torres. They could have built an entire division around Eve, but she left too fast. <laughs> she, was amazing. she had untapped potential. Eve mm-hmm. could have been everything. 
everything. Uh, one title to her to her credit? No, shut up. Eve Torres was a three-time Divas champion. Don't you do that. Sorry, sorry. sorry. It, the, the last one was the only one that really meant anything. Okay, well, fair <laughs> But she did win it two times beforehand. Once from Maurice and once from Natty. She was the one who beat Natty to, to take the title off of her in that random fatal four-way with Lay Cool. And then she accidentally became Divas Champion the third time after she messed up that battle royal. <laughs> That's right. Which led to the greatest storyline of all time with the blonde wig and who attacked Caitlyn. <laughs> yeah. Um, Can we also respect Caitlyn for a second? Yes, I love Caitlyn. She, she, did, she also didn't get a fair shake. I agree. There's so many. There, there. That's a whole episode in and of itself. People like, like, Summer Rae didn't get a fair shake. Summer Rae was great and squandered. Summer, uh, love her or hate her. Cameron is a character, and her ring work was progressing really well too. When they released her, Cameron was also great. I will fight about Cameron. Um, so many, so many, so many. Um. I feel like there was another person on my honorable mention that I, I need to... Let me check real quick. I'm so sorry. Um, oh, no. No, that was it. That was it. I got all of them. Um, but there, there's a, there's somebody that we didn't mention that I want to, so I think I might change my pick. Um, see, this is hard. I can't do it because it's, it's, I'm between two people, and I just need to pick one. The other one can go into the honorable mention slot. I will... For the sake of being divisive, I will put Beth Phoenix into the honorable mention. Okay. Because Beth is great, and she is – Beth's resume speaks for itself, so I don't even have to get into it. Beth was one of the few people who actually got the recognition she deserved and is also a women's and divas champion. So go, Beth, go. I'm going to give my last spot to – a lady who also has crossover appeal. She has been in a hit series. And she has one of the best power bombs ever. Sable. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. How dare you? No. I am talking about Awesome Kong. Who helped to make your pick, Gail Kim, the Charisma Vacuum, look <laughs> great. I love Awesome Kong, so I'm 100% behind that. Awesome Kong is probably one of the best big women. And I hate saying big women, like that just sounds gross. But she was one of the, she's one of the best, like larger athletes to be a wrestler. Like how you talked about China is like, I feel like the, the, uh, the, the updated version would be Awesome Kong in like Beth yeah. Phoenix. But Awesome Kong was one of those ones who I said she didn't have to talk. She didn't need to because she, when she came out, you knew. <laughs> yep. yeah. can, we, can we talk about the Kong Taraj? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. And by the, the way, Kong... Awesome Kong is amazing on Glow. So if you haven't watched that show, yeah, we love Glow <laughs> Welfare Queen is one of my favorites. Um, that's actually my porn name is Welfare Queen. Uh, <laughs> anyways, it's only a matter of time before you know she returns to AEW and you know becomes champion there, right? I think that's safe to say. I didn't. I didn't get with it with the Nightmare Collective. I, I don't think anybody did in your defense, though. So 
I tried, and that was just weird because I also find Brandy to be a charisma vacuum, and she mm. tries real hard, and it's always like cringe, girl. Stop, stop it. <laughs> but Awesome Kong's career again speaks for itself. She was always great in the ring. I mean, when she came back to TNA after that long hiatus, she wasn't as good, but I think that's because she was having back problems or something. But in her heyday, like when she first got to TNA, she was great and she was throwing out awesome bombs to everybody. And that power bomb is beautiful. Like get away Batista, get away Kevin Nash, get away who else is a does a little power bomb? All y'all could just go because the awesome bomb is everything. The way she got up on her tiptoes and that perfect sit out, yes. When she retired it for the implant buster, I was so upset. <laughs> but how many times, <laughs> stats man, how many times was she knockout champion? Like three, two, 16? Not enough times, I'll tell you that. Well, yes, that is true. She she helped build the knockouts division. And she yeah. could have been a golden shovel because there was just it just wasn't it just didn't seem believable to beat her at the time. But yeah. she was good at building people around her, like Gail Kim and Taylor Wilde. Um, those are the two who I think of the most when I think about Awesome Kong. She was if I'm not mistaken, she was the reason that Skirt Tiffany turned into the crazy dollhouse version of Kurt Tiffany because she didn't want to lose her longest reigning title reign to her, if I'm not mistaken. I wasn't deep in TNA at that point, but I think so. Yeah. I think you're right. And the fact that, you know, just to go back, she's only held the knockouts championship twice. Which is wild. That, yeah, that's, that's, a little low and you know she's got one take one tna knockouts tag team championship to her credit as well but the fact that she only held it twice that's that's wild to me her first title reign was really long though so i guess that kind of right. makes up for it because she was tied but she was champion for almost a year if not over a year if i'm not mistaken yeah, yeah I think you're right it was a longer reign but you know what it is it's like wrestling they like it just feels like companies still don't know how to use big wrestlers in any role other than dominance. So even when the wrestlers go above and beyond, like we talked about with Kong and with China and Beth Phoenix and even Charlotte, it's like, you're kind of pigeonholed. So it's like, well, we already did that, so we can't do it again. It's like, dude, there are a thousand things to do with a talented wrestler. I think also it doesn't help that almost any women's division, there's only ever one title. True. And so... And and we know WWE does not is not good at giving people something to do outside of I'm I'm you're my best friend and you turned on me and these former best friends hate each other now I'm a bitch now and I'm gonna yeah. dye my hair and wear dark lipstick Candace uh, <laughs> it's just it, that's an issue for a whole nother day too um, before before I finish, before I finish, sidebar from Kong, I missed an honorable mention, and this might be another decisive one, but I feel like I would be remiss in not mentioning Nikki Bella as yeah. as somebody in the queue for being a greatest of all time. Because as much as people try to hate on, you can hate on Brie, like um, Brie was <laughs> whatever, but Nikki was great as Divas yeah. Champion, and even though they kept her champion long enough just so they could erase AJ's 
historic reign. Yep. Nikki performed and she performed well for a year as champion. She was great and she had great matches with everybody. So as much as people like to hate on the Bella Twins because you can look what you can't touch, Nikki Bella always delivered and she literally broke her neck trying to impress people who didn't want to be impressed. That's true. Just like in her little promo where she was like, you wanted a revolution and I gave you what? I mean, I, hey, I look, she does not get the, you know, Nikki Bella does not get, you know, no. you can say what you want about Brie, like you mentioned, but Nikki does not get the credit that she deserves. She was one, you know, I thought she was a great focal point on SmackDown, especially. And I know she had gone out with that surgery, that surgery and everything, but I thought she definitely was going to get a reign as a SmackDown Women's Champion at one point. And it was well-deserved. And she was one of the few who, to, to piggyback off my point from a second ago, where they don't know how to build people if there's not a title, she was she did well uh, not chasing a title. She was minding her business, and people kept coming at her. So yeah. her, Natalia and Carmella both, like she, those were great feuds that didn't have anything to do with being women's champion. And everything to do with her being with John Cena, which was a little dry there at the end. And I didn't like when they put them together to go against uh, Miz and Maurice, who I stand harder than any. I will fight somebody about Maurice and the Miz, just so y'all know. Nope, you won't get an argument from me. I love Miz and Mrs. on the uh, USA Network, so. That show is great. Total Bellas, I don't watch that mess, but I never miss an episode of Miz and Mrs. Yeah. I, I feel like one day I'm gonna we're all gonna do an episode based I mean, I don't think we can on Maurice's career, but definitely about the Miz because I feel Maurice like Maurice had a don't don't do it. No, 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 no. I'm saying I'm saying I'm saying I'm saying you can't do a whole <laughs> You can't do a whole episode based on Maurice's career. Why can't you? Yes we can. From Diva Search to Diva's Champion. That can be the title. <laughs> Well, in that case, we have strayed strayed so far from the point. I can can say Maurice for for one of the greatest managers because Maurice would always make sure that her man won. I'll just leave it at that. That's fair. That's fair. And I do, I did love, and I know we're getting totally away from Mount Rushmore. That's okay. I did love when she was um, Ted DiBiase Jr.'s personal assistant. I thought that was awesome. Oh, she was his the gold digging girlfriend. She was not. See, you're gonna make me fight. She no, 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 was willing no. to climb the ladder and money in the bank for him. That was her boyfriend, and that was when she was on NXT as like the host or something. And Yoshitatsu and and Lucky Cannon were also fighting over her. So it was the those three guys fighting over her affection, and then she ended up snubbing them all. Don't do me with my Maurice history. Don't do it. Yoshitatsu. I feel like that's nope. like the best way to end a podcast about women's wrestling. Yoshitatsu. No, Lucky Cannon, because he doesn't even yeah, exist anymore. Lucky I don't even know what the hell he does anymore, but that's quite all right. Um, and there it is. On that note, uh, Brian, do you have any other names that you would like to mention? Or do you have thoughts about Nikki Bella? Hmm. Uh, Lucky Cannon. Yeah, go ahead and give us your thoughts on uh, Lucky Cannon. The greatest wrestling name of all time. 
We I guess that's it. So uh, <laughs> thank you guys for listening. Um, sorry we strayed so far from the point, but that's what you get. I'm not sorry. Are we ending the episode on fucking Lucky Cannon? Get out of here. I, no. You know what? I don't think there's a better way to end an episode than Lucky. From now on, every episode ends with a mention of Lucky Cannon. Can the thumbnail just be Lucky Cannon on a milk carton? <laughs> We're about, we're about Look, to end this fucking episode two, with two years from now. It's gonna be like the TV show Psych, where they always look for the pineapple. People are gonna be waiting for the Lucky Cannon reference because it's going to be on every episode. I can't believe that this is a thing, but I'm. I'm oh, we're doing women so dirty. We're just. This we is, are. This Fuck, is what so this sorry. is what men do. We're trash. We're fucking awful. I'm sorry. I guess in recap, you know. We're grateful that everybody listened and uh, gave us a chance to talk about the greatest women's wrestlers of all time um, and Lucky Cannon. Um, Fuck off. (laughs) But on a serious note, thank you all for listening and for your continued support. Uh, We are incredibly grateful. Words don't do it justice. Uh, We're very happy that we were able to shine a light on a subject that really doesn't get enough discussion. Uh, we always talk about Mount Rushmore's for men's wrestling. Never really seem to do for women's. Um, we hope to continue that balance of discussion moving forward. And uh, yeah, Bear, I guess it's time to plug all our stuff. Before I plug all that shit, Jared, I'd like to thank you for joining yes. us for these two episodes. We really appreciate it. I had so much fun fighting with you. It's great. Yeah, and you changed my mind on Ronda Rousey, so I guess that's something, right? But... It is my plight. Yeah. No, I, we're, we're very thankful, and we hope to have you again on a future episode. I'm always free to be a co-host. That is good to hear. Now, before I show all our products, I want to mention again that Brian LaPrey has a solo podcast out. It's already available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor. He talks about Drew McIntyre, fantasy booking Drew McIntyre's championship reign. It's a good listen. I already listened to it myself. Um, you might see a solo episode of myself doing something. Who knows? Maybe that's coming. Who knows? Maybe I'll have Jared, just me and Jared. Who knows? We could just bicker for an hour about wrestling or something. Or and Austin Theory. <laughs> and Austin Theory's butthole. And Austin Theory's butthole. Um, but we are not going to end the podcast on Austin Theory's butthole. What we are going to end the podcast on is below the... De- oh, Jesus Christ. Below the... <laughs> Dollar.com slash heel turns and headlocks. We have cool shirts and more designs are on their way. I'm talking to a graphic designer guy right now who fits my criteria price range wise being free so, <laughs> because I'm a cheap bastard. Um, so below the collar.com, below the collar.com slash heel turns and headlocks. I am going to send Jared a shirt for doing this with us. He only gets one. I can't afford both. Um, HeelTurnsAndHeadlocks.com. You can catch us on Facebook at HeelTurnsAndHeadlocks. You can catch us on Twitter at Heel underscore Turns underscore Pod. I have not changed that username yet, but I will eventually. Um, we are on Instagram at, you guessed it, HeelTurnsAndHeadlocks. On that note, I, I'm i not doing a giveaway this episode, so screw all of you. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Is there anything else that either of you would like to mention? No, I'm good. Thanks for everything. Glad you could see me. And, Brian, 
again, thank you all for listening. Um, continue to follow us for more content. And uh, yeah, we hope we did the women justice because women's wrestling is fucking awesome. And God bless Lucky Cannon. All right, let's fucking wrap it up. <laughs>